Hey, it's H1. It's H1, and we're about to be running it back with another episode. Congratulations. We made it in our two-month mark. Clap your hands, please. Thank you. I know you did it. I know you did it in your mind if you was driving. I don't want you clapping your hands while you're driving. But anyway, thank you to everybody that's been with me on this long journey, this long two months journey. I really appreciate you all. And thank you for all the plays. And thank you in like every country and every podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Comcast, just everything. Just all the thank yous and all the appreciation goes to y'all. Because the value that I get is from y'all playing and y'all get value from from learning from H1. Okay. But let's continue. First of all, before I start with this episode, I just wanted to say a few updates. Yes, I got a Facebook now. (laughs) I know it's been a while, but yes, I got a Facebook, a business Facebook uh, called Chess Knowledge with H1. And then I have an Instagram, too, called H1 Chess. So if you want to follow me on social media, you can just to put that out there. And I'm on YouTube, too. Chess Knowledge with H1. If you want to follow me on there, you can, too. And I'm on nothing else. That was it. That was all the update that I have. <laughs> so um, what are we going to be talking about today? As H1, what are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about chess visualization. Chess visualization. That might scare you. Don't be afraid. Don't click off this podcast either. Don't don't be afraid. Visualizing a chess is super simple. You just got to start. You got to start with baby steps. At first, at first you got the milk. And then after you get done with this podcast right here, this content, you're going to have the you're going to have the meats. OK, you're going to have the steak to be a good chess player. And just to let you know, you can't shy away from visualization because visualization in chess is a key component into being a great chess player. I'm going to be explaining a few things that are incorrect, that are misconceptions that people still think like grandmasters don't see 50 moves ahead in every game. That's that's nah. I'll explain that a little bit more. But yeah, that was one of them. That was like a, a sneak peek. So <laughs> let's get it. Let's get through this commercial and then we're going to talk about some chess knowledge. OK, see you over to the next platform. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's H1. And you know what time it is. It is time to get down to business 
let me just say to start off the conversation that visualization is important. It's crucial in chess for you to do it. And I'm just going to name about like three things why visualization is important. Now, let me just start out by saying that when you're studying visualization and when you're getting your visualization to its peak, you start to look at the whole board. Now, when you're beginning chess, you can't see everything that's being attacked. You don't know what's going on. You you say focus on one area, but not the other. You stay focused in the middle, but you forget about the sides. So with visualization, you start to see the whole board as a whole and the dangers of moves as a whole. And just knowing the differences between good moves and bad moves and just you start seeing a lot more stuff when you start visualizing in the chessboard. And that gets to my second point is that when you get your visualization as good as, I don't know, a grandmaster or chess, you don't ever have to get it that good. Like some people base it off the, the second move. But anyway, you get to broaden your horizon. For example, you're not going to be stuck with a simple opening. Let's say that you was choosing an opening, but you're steering away from openings because it's too tactical. With visualization, you could do tactics a lot better. Have you ever had one of those tactic books that the picture is just right there and you have to get a chessboard to figure out stuff and you have to move the pieces just to figure out stuff? No, you don't need that anymore. You can just figure it out and not set up the chessboard. And you can use that skill on an actual chess game. Okay, you don't have to shy away from tactics. You don't have to shy away from it. And visualization is a key component into you not shying away from stuff. So play that Sicilian. Play that Gambit. Play that Evans Gambit. Play the Murphy Gambit. You can play whatever you want. Okay, listen to H1. Listen to H1. You can play whatever you want once you get your visualization. You you can play any position that you want. Y'all don't know how special that is. (laughs) Y'all don't know yet, but I'll be teaching y'all. Okay, the third thing that I'm going to be talking about right now is visualization helps you notice your opponent's threats. So when your opponent does a move that you're like wondering, what is that move for? What is he planning? Then you should be able to visualize what's your opponent's threat just by looking at their move, their goals, and just seeing their insights on the position. What are they trying to do? You can think of your move and then think of your opponent move. And then once you can do that in your head, it gets a lot simpler. Once it's clear in your head, I know sometimes when I was beginning doing this, I was trying to um, think about my move and then my opponent's move, and then my head would just get fuzzy, and then I, the pieces start jumbling around. I'm like, ah, oh, snap, I, I lost it. But if you practice, if you train this muscle, just it's just like exercising. If you train that muscle, it becomes a lot clearer. 
So when you see grandmasters on, let's say, Hikaru Nakamura on YouTube, he just be calculating just nonstop because he has good visualization technique. For example, not even him. He's a grandmaster, but not even him. But other grandmasters, if you see like a real chess tournament, you know, maybe on YouTube or in real life, sometimes when grandmasters are recollecting, their memories of an opening and thinking about the nuances and and things like that they look away from the board because they're visualizing the board in their head because it's easier for them to visualize the board than to just look at it then they can calculate the moves just in their head it's just second nature when you're doing it all the time so that's the crucial things about visualization. What do you think? We're going to be talking more about my experience in this next segment right here. So stay tuned. Stay tuned, guys, because H1 is coming. I'm coming back. We're here. We're here now. Man, that was quick. That was quick. Y'all should commend me for that. I just gave y'all just information just left and right, left and right. I'm proud of myself. That's self-love, that's self-improvement. That man, let me stop. Okay, continue to the next section. Continue to the next section, H1. Welcome to the waiting room segment chess jokes by h1 and the joke for this episode is why shouldn't you use old bread as a chess piece because it would be a stalemate thank you for listening So, let's talk about H1 experience with practicing visualization. Man, we're going to be saying that word a lot in this little content right here in this episode. Sorry. Sorry for that. If you don't like that word. Because I love that word. Visualization. I can't say it three times fast and I'm not going to do that to y'all. But, anyway, how I started looking ahead. And just picturing stuff. In my mind is when I was a young kid. You might have uh, learned from the story from uh, back in the first episode. I started learning chess on the PlayStation 2. It was this game called Chess Master on the PlayStation 2. And there's one of the features on that game was like a visualization trainer or whatever. And so what it would do it would train me on my visualization. It would be like, okay, pawn on A1, <laughs> which is impossible. Uh, let me choose another piece. That was that sucked. That sucked. I'm keeping that in here. Pawn on A2, rook on H1, knight on G8, and they're all white pieces. And then I would have to remember what he said. I would have to place the pieces 
on the spots that he said they was on. And for you to learn visualization, you have to know notation just to put that out there. So I would do that. Then it would become more pieces. Then they would add a piece. And then there are some times where they would put pieces on the board like they would do white rook on h7, white rook on a1, king on e1, black king on e8. And then they would be like, what is, what way can white checkmate in one move? And then I'll have to solve that solve that problem just in my head there there is no board for me to even think about it so it was just some good training techniques there was another one too where they would set up all the pieces in their starting position and they would go a few moves in opening so they would do e4 e5 what opening is this and then you would have to first recite the the moves that they did and then you'd have to um, say what opening it was so it was it was things like those that was good techniques for me now another thing when I got older that I did and let me just say this now school for me was was horrible I'm just gonna say that because I was not that type of kid I would come to school and I know this is counterproductive because I know chess and I love playing chess but I'll come to school with a chess openings book. And while the, and while the teacher was like teaching about, I don't know, physics or whatever, I would just open my chess openings book and I would just look at the moves. And then the teacher would come over and be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm like, I'm reading this. And then the teacher would come over and look at this and look at this book. And it would just be full of notations because this book was a chess openings book. So it had no like... Um, instruction on the opening and just had chess notations like for I think it was a 2010 chess openings book but I would bring that book to every class and I would just study openings in my head with no chessboard same thing too I had a book I had a chess tactics book and it had multiple openings I I even had a, a checkmate move book it was like 365 ways to checkmate it I don't know a book like that and I used to study that book in classes too and on the bus and when I got home because I was really in my prime at that time I was I was going in I was getting at it and then people be looking at me people be looking at me we're like what are you doing h1 what are you doing and then I'll, I'll be like I'm studying chess and then they'll look at the book and this is high school, so bullying was around. <laughs> but then they look at the book and be like, I don't understand this. And this was the chess opening book. And I'll be like, well, it's chess openings. So there's different type of openings in chess for you to do. And I'm just learning all the chess openings. And be like, you're a nerd. And be like, so, dude, you're in, you're in physics with me. What are you talking about? You're doing the homework. <laughs> Oh man, they they was something else, those kids, man. But those are like some of the things that helped me practice it. And plus, when I had more experience playing better players and just grinding out the experience points, you know, when I was playing P Money and as I played in other tournaments and people 
their levels just got harder and harder and I really had to think about my next move. And as I would think, I would do my move, then they'll do their move. And once they do their move, I'm constantly thinking, what's my opponent's threat? And then I'm constantly calculating, especially once we get into the middle game, because usually in the middle game is when you want to calculate the most. The opening is just... The opening is just when you, you just display all your moves because you already should know your opening. You should know what you're doing in the opening. You're developing your pieces and you're castling and you're getting your rooks into open files. The open is easy. It's the middle game that you have to calculate more. And that's when you think about your opponent's threats. What are they doing? And then you, and then you think about your move. And then you think about the response of your opponent after you do your move. It's just an unending cycle. It's an unending cycle that makes chess beautiful because the more that you think about that, we're imperfect, so we're going to mess up. We're imperfect, so we're going to mess up. And so that was my experience, just helping myself to see ahead and to just visualize the chessboard. I don't know if a lot of these things are even still out. Hopefully, maybe on chess.com. I don't know. Maybe on leechess.org. I don't know. You just have to search for it for yourself. But if you have a chess master um, thing on your computer by, um, what's that What's that person's name? Josh Wainskin? Then I'm pretty sure it's on that. I'm pretty sure it's on that. <laughs> because I've been learning from that Um I've been learning from, man, I, I've been learning from that software, like, pretty much the first five years of me playing chess, just learning everything I can from that software, so I know it's on that, I know that software from the back of my head, man, <laughs> that doesn't even make sense, from the back of your, you can't see the back of your head, I mean the back of my hand, man. And I don't even know what that phrase is, man. Let's continue to the next segment. This is the waiting room segment. Quotes by H1. And the quote of the episode is... A victory always gets me pumped up for the next battle. Thank you for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time. It's H1. And let's get down to business. H1? What? We getting down to business twice? That's just how much information it is out here. We have to get down to business twice because there are some misconceptions. 
in the world that has to be considered. Okay, so we're getting down to business twice. This is like a first for this content. This is dope. H1, congrats. Congrats for this. So more information for y'all means more value. More value. Great value. That is a brand. Okay, let's get started. So let me let me go over some things that can make calculating moves easier and clearer for you so that you can start as a beginner and become an expert like, like it's no problem at all to you. Because everybody has the brain and capabilities to see ahead, to visualize the board. So, first things first I want to talk about is the phrase called forcing moves. In order for you to calculate ahead, you have to know forcing moves. You can't do it without forcing. I I guess you can do it, but you have to know the threats of your opponents and this is a good concept to know to know what your opponent is doing pretty much so what are forcing moves forcing moves are checks captures and threats once you know your opponent's checks captures and threats then it's easier for you to calculate because that's all you should be calculating is your opponent's checks captures and threats and threats can be a whole lot of things like maybe he's threatening to capture maybe he's threatening checkmate this move or threatening to fork a piece there's a lot of threats in chess but anyway if you're taking account all your checks captures and threats then you should be taking account all your opponents checks captures and threats so let's say i do a check then then your opponent's response has to do with that check they can either block they can move the king or they can capture the piece. And if they can capture the piece, then you can just automatically just assume that their only choice is to block or move the king. And you can calculate that really quickly. And that just gives you another move. Then you can calculate another capture by you or a threat. The The tide just continues back and forth. Now, many people think that grandmasters see like 20 moves ahead when usually the limit is about five to seven moves. Because for every move that you do, is usually, is usually, it's not always like this, but it's usually about four moves that you have to calculate. So if I do one move or a capture or a threat, then they, then you can calculate your opponent's best move. And you have to calculate their best move. You can't be just calculating any sort of move that they're doing. It has to be what you think is their best move. If it's not their best move, then they're not going to do it. And if they do something that you didn't calculate, that is not one of their best moves, then you can figure out the problem of that move. That's when your chess principles and chess knowledge should come hand to hand. It should come together. Then you can start taking advantage of people's games and positions. So I just want to just let you know that Grandmasters are not invincible and they don't be looking that far ahead because just imagine looking 20 moves, looking 20 moves ahead each move. Do you know how much brain power that takes? And our brains can't do that much. So if you're looking 20 moves ahead, which is possible, but if you're looking 20 moves ahead, do you think that you're going to carry all that information in your head or do you think that you're going to forget? Um, 
that you're going to forget a calculation. You're going to mess up. You're going to blunder one of the calculations because you're going to do one move and then forget about the rest of the moves. So keep it simple. Five to seven moves is a good number. Is a good number. When you're doing a capture, check, or threat, it makes it... There's not that much your opponent can do. It There's only a very... There's only little things for your opponent to do. Like, let me give you an example. If I threaten one of their rooks with my knight, they can either move the rook, and we're just assuming that they can't capture the piece that's threatening the rook, they can either move the rook or check my king. Because if they check my king, then I have to move the king before I capture the rook. So they can check my king, then move their rook. And so that's the things that you have to account for. And it gets easier as you play in games, as you just work out, um, work it out in your mind. Probably, I don't know, you can do it every week or every day for like 15 minutes. You, you should just find something to just help you um, make calculating easier and clearer. And one thing that is important to help you do that is doing tactic puzzles. Tactic puzzles are so important. I probably did tens of thousands of tactic puzzles during my um, chess career, and it's it helps out a lot when you're doing tactic puzzles, working it out in your head. There's even tactic puzzles that I don't like the tactic puzzles where you get to like figure it out on the board. No, no, no. I like the tactic. I like the tactic puzzles that you have to figure it out on your first move before you move in a piece and that you have to visualize. And I like the tactic puzzles that kind of take account of how much time you're spending on that puzzle because that matters too in a chess game. So get you a good chess book, a chess puzzle book, or keep on listening to me. <laughs> do that too. Always do something to work out that muscle. You got to exercise it. Just like if you was trying to get big muscles and big biceps, big leg muscles, maybe some abseps. I don't care what you're trying to get. It's important for you to work it out. Walk it out. Walk it out. Hey. But anyway, once you learn this, this uh, you should gain more benefits to your chest. You will learn more. You will start realizing things that your opponent didn't realize. And some other things, too, is going to increase your memory, your endurance in the chess game and your concentration. And plus, visualizing in chess will help your mind not to wonder um, when you should be looking at the game. Okay, when your opponent is on his turn and the clock is on his turn, you don't just wander. You stay concentrated on a chessboard trying to figure out what's his best move. What's his checks? What's his captures? What's his threats? Figuring out his forcing moves. And then you should figure out a reply to his forcing moves. And then you should just keep on going down the list until he doesn't move that way that you don't have to lose your concentration which i will doing which i will be doing an episode about because concentration is super important in chess
No, 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 no. H1, you are not stopping right here. This is pathetic. You, you usually create a long episode every two weeks. This is not fair at all. This is... In, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. H1 knows that this is a short episode, and I am sorry. But I do have something to announce, that I will be doing some visualization exercises on this podcast, just to help some people that are trying to get better at chess. I want to help out with that. I want to help out in the same way that I learned how to see ahead in chess. So there you go. I'm going to be working on that. That maybe could mean that you might get two episodes every week. I know it's not the same as this one, but this visualization stuff is really going to help out in your chess journey. If you're like striving to like be a, ch- a, a better chess player. Okay. So that's what I've been doing. I'm sorry for this episode. If it's too short, I promise to do another long one next time. Actually, nah, I just saved that. I'll save that for later. Y'all need to know. But since we're ending this episode, I just want to say thank you for always being there. And if you're um, on any platform like Spotify, I know Spotify follows Anchor. You can clap that. Uh, you can clap hands and you can message me and favorite this podcast if you like this content. And I think the other platforms you can follow. But I want you to give this podcast a good rating and share this with your friends and family so that we can just have this chess family, this chess family, this chess empire of H1s. H1s around the world. We're 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 a small group right now, but we're gonna reach we're gonna reach heights. We're gonna reach certain heights that are just gonna be to the stars. And once we hit the stars, then we don't know where we can go. But <laughs> I appreciate all of you. Thank you for always being around. See you in the next episode. Peace. <laughs>